0: Hey, I'm, I'm Scott Cuthbert, CEO of Safepedia.
1: And I'm Gabe Encarnation.
0: I'm Vice President of BBL Safety. And uh, thank you guys for tuning in today to Safeonomics. And uh, we've got an exciting uh, episode for you today, episode number two. I don't know if we need, should we keep track of them or should we just? Uh...
1: Let's keep track of it. I'm, I'm just going to come up with a different number every time.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um and uh i remember a radio station started uh here and and they'd always talk about how oh we've got listener number 14 <laughs> yeah, exactly so we, should, we should do it by uh listeners but uh yeah we have an exciting episode today we've got one of our favorite uh safety influencers joining us abby ferry to talk about how to become an influencer and share some of her experiences so uh, super super interesting i know you and you and abby have Probably had many more conversations than I have.
1: So, uh. yeah, this will be this will be a lot of fun. Um, Abby has some fantastic experience in the safety profession. Um, I believe it was twenty years of of experience in safety, and a really diverse uh, backgrounds and and concepts, and just the way that she she approaches the profession is just um, it really is special. Um, there's a lot of stuff that that I know I've learned from talking with her and listening to how she approaches um, her work in safety, and really excited to see her her role now with uh, InsureAid and how she's taking all that experience in safety and applying it to to this whole direction with uh, with insurance. And um, yeah, it's it's going to be really fascinating. I'm excited to have her on uh, on Safenomics.
0: Yeah, as well, I think she st- I think she graduated from university when she was 15, right? <laughs> uh, that's gotta be it (laughs) that's that's the only way she's got 20 years experience but yeah yeah, I mean obviously a a leading example I'm sure she probably doesn't need any introduction which which really speaks to her as an influencer in the industry with the Safety Justice League podcast and all of her great work at ASSP and Women in Safety Um, she's she's been kind of everywhere and and uh, you know doing her day job and and volunteering her her personal time you know to help move things forward within the industry so uh super super excited to have her on today
1: so that's a really nice way of saying that we were really lucky to get her as a guest because there's absolutely. no way we would have gotten her as a guest yeah <laughs> So Abby you want to give us a quick intro as to what you're doing and um and even some of the conversations as to why we're why we're talking about intersections of business and safety.
2: Yeah my mind just went like blank, but also in a bunch of different directions. <laughs> so this this will be good. So right now I'm working for Insurate as their chief risk officer in charge of all risk management, risk control services for our clients, and also bridging between our clients and their insurance agents as far as how risk control will be done for their individual accounts. So we have an underwriting algorithm, a proprietary underwriting algorithm that um, looks at companies in a different way and is able to provide a more accurate proposal for their workers' comp insurance based on how they actually do things, not just all the the lagging indicators that we're all familiar with. Hmm. So um, the intersection of business and safety for me, um, as I work in the insurance field, I mean, I've come from working as a safety director for a construction company and different capacities and safety for mostly in construction and working for myself as a consultant. So business and safety has meant different things to me over the course of my career. Um, from the beginning where people told me I should be happy that our CEO didn't give me a budget to stick within, Um, to being a consultant, you know, independent, working for myself and looking at every single dollar. So, and then everything in between.
1: Yeah. Wow. So that's, (laughs) you've seen both ends of the spectrum. And so you said, even from working with a, I'm assuming a larger company all the way to even being an independent consultant. So you've had to deal with multiple people, budgets of all sizes, departments of all sizes. I mean, one of the things that I've I've seen which is really hard is even just getting your own agenda moved as a safety professional. So even with your with your idea of, of well, let me back up to the question. Essentially, is it how did you get your agenda moved in safety? Whether it was through a as an independent consultant or even as part of a larger organization, just understanding the business and working with it that way.
2: Yeah, when when I worked for others, um, I just, I I didn't really understand it at the time. I just felt like this was the right thing to do, which was to really have my numbers straight of, you know, what things cost, how that relates to injuries um, and then to get allies. Like I didn't even know that I was doing that back then, that I would go to a project manager and say, Hey, you know, we had to buy a bunch of this equipment, these consumable, you know, this PPE um, on this job, like maybe next time we should plan ahead for this based on this type of job. And (laughs) I knew which project managers to go to that were very mindful of budget and detail oriented because, you know, some project managers are a little more Wild West, um, which is fine. You know, there's a place for that. But for me to find allies, it was those more detail oriented project managers and then leveling up, you know, to people that were above their level, getting mm. an ally there. And I mean, once you align with the CFO, the CEO and the company's goals, then you're how, who's going to argue with you. Right. <laughs> like you're, you're trying to build an unarguable um stance really that it's like how could you say no to the safety director and their proposed budget like that's heartless and dumb and here's all the ways so um yeah I I just felt that finding those allies and also this was a function of me being a department of one um in my experience working for employers not working for myself I only had one employer situation where I actually had other people in a safety department. Otherwise, I was always by myself. So that's Hmm. why I sought out allies. But even if you're part of a safety department, I still think that the ally concept is important.
0: Yeah, I want to jump in and just zoom out for a sec. We're we're kind of know each other for quite a while and (laughs) comfortable and we just sort of jumped right in. But just, yeah, just to set a little bit of context, um, Obviously, you know Gabe and I have been talking for a while. We had this idea for a safeonomics kind of podcast, podcast, whatever you want to call it. In order to kind of talk about business and that intersection, like you you guys touched on between business and 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 safety, and we really were super excited to to have you on, uh, you know, today and to be picking your brain because you're a shining example of, I think, an influencer. Um, you know, and you may not have set out to be an influencer, but I think you've definitely become an influencer uh, within your respective organizations, but also, uh, you know, within the industry as, as a whole as as well. And I think there's some really important lessons for people to learn because we do hear uh, over and over again, it's like, how do I get my executive team to to support me? How do I get my management team to to support me? And even how do I get know the frontline workers to to buy in and 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 go along with with the safety program and the the, you know the direction or the initiatives set by the safety director so with with that you know said hopefully sets a little bit of context for the conversation that we jumped into but also you know want to want to ask you like you've never been sort of that check the box kind of person um you you're definitely forward thinking so did does this just come naturally to you? Or was there a point, you know, in your career where you're like, Hey, I got to get ahead of this. And I, I got to start thinking about, you know, the, 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 the red zone, you know, while I'm still in midfield kind of.
2: Yeah. I, you know, you mentioned getting the frontline workers on board. And for me, I did, I just kind of naturally stumbled into some good techniques for that where, you know, things as simple as, asking people, <laughs> you know, what do you think? Um, why are you doing that? How much does that cost? You know, whatever it is. So uh, I, I naturally did that and was very, you know, I guess rewarded by that, by um, kind of seeking out the, the relationship building before having sometimes a crisis or other um, situation where I needed those people it's kind of like when people are networking, and then they need a job. Um, It's going to be a lot easier (laughs) to um, have those connections made for you when you're looking for a job if you've been nurturing your network. So at work, I was always nurturing the network, just, um, you know, just short conversations with people being curious about what they do. And I know, like with pop you know human organizational performance being a buzzword and safety and the the curious conversations and that sort of thing like I just kind of laugh sometimes because I I think well that that's what I did no one told me what to do that's just what I did that was my personality so if someone's a um you know curious about how things work and likes to ask questions and doesn't feel you know apprehensive about asking questions um you're going to do great in safety. <laughs> and, you know, just don't worry about the the flavor of the week of, you know, what safety professionals are subscribing to as far as different philosophies. So, um, all, all that aside, um, I also kind of reinforced, um, the things that I was doing naturally, but then also sought out mentors. And I, again, I did even think about that at the time, but I, I was encouraged by, um, that CEO that didn't give me a budget, he gave me a credit card and said, go for it, be a safety pro. And I was like, all right. And so <laughs> I went to, <laughs> so so I just kind of got self-educated and, and joined, I joined the Associated General Contractors Safety Committee in my area and um, sought out the the education and knowledge and wisdom from the people that were in safety around that table. And so that's when I even just learned of the concept of a safety budget. Cause I, sorry, you know, to my my diploma back there from my (laughs) masters in environmental (laughs) health and safety, but we didn't talk too much about budgeting for safety. And, you know, that was kind of okay. Um, I I learned on the fly, learned on the job, and was able to have some really great guidance from mentors at that group and from other groups since then, too. And now people ask me. <laughs> and, um, you know, I just have the same advice, is that, you know, budgeting is, is budgeting, really, at the end of the day. And then you just add in your nuances of, um, who do you need on your side? Who are those allies? because then it becomes the messaging and the communication to get people on board with you with that you know, basic budget that you're just following. I mean, literally look up how do I make a budget? you you find out what things cost. you find out what you spent last year. Um, you anticipate what you're going to spend, um, you know, and other factors. And so then it's just communication after that. And that's where I think, a lot of people have um you know the the learning curve and but they're framing it as i don't know how to budget for safety but it's actually right. i don't know how to communicate my safety budget is the problem
1: so what what's so interesting about this too and i it, it's i'm sure i'm going to go back through the uh, the recording of this and see how many times we said the word budget because <laughs> it just seems like one of those things where it's like it's just so much on people's minds and it is really beneficial that you had someone that basically gave you just, as you said, the credit card and let you just be the safety pro. Um, but most of the things that you were talking about, like finding uh, finding a mentor, asking uh, questions of the people that were doing doing the work, just being curious, that doesn't matter how much of a budget you have. You can do that if you have zero budget. And still yeah, do that's that.
2: free. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> asking questions is free. Yeah, that's that's, that's a great point. What Which is really cool.
1: Yeah, that, that's really neat because it's like, I know that there are some people that are going to hear this and be like, well, I don't, I do have a budget. It's grossly small. Um, how do I even do this? How do I get the ear of the CFO? Or how do I get, um, how do I understand the way my business works so that I can get my agenda moving forward and not just be that check the box safety pro? Um, mm-hmm. Everything that you mentioned doesn't require a budget. Or, most of the things that you mentioned, except for of course, like the PPE and the things you actually have to pay dollars for. But just being curious and and finding out and asking questions is is massive. so that's that's really that's pretty special, actually.
2: But what if your budget is abysmal? <laughs> you know <laughs> right. I, I guess, like when you were saying that, like if your budget's too small, well, how do you know? So then, to me, that just points to, like a a knowledge gap to whoever is, you know, holding the purse strings and you saying, I need more money. Um, and again, it's a communication issue at that point too. And as we started talking about influence, you know, if you're influencing in all these different departments, so they have that visual, um, they, they have that visibility into what does it cost to do safety and do safety well? And how does that impact this job that I'm managing or this this site that I have to manage? And if you can get them on your side, they, they really speak for you at that point. Hmm. And it's like, I mean, I, I worked for a general contractor. So my natural thing I want to do is sub things out. So um, if, I, if I can <laughs> sub out the influence of the safety budgeting Heck yeah, I'll do that. I'd rather have a project manager be telling the CEO, we need more money for this and it's a safety thing. Great, you tell them, because I've been telling them too. (laughs) So, um, you know, sub out that influence. I think it doesn't always have to come from the safety professional, that it might be something where you're feeding numbers to these department leaders and then they take that and run with it. And maybe that's why someone early on said, don't worry if you don't have a safety budget, that maybe it should be, safety is part of these department budgets Hmm. or a job site budget it's not a standalone here's the safety budget and what we have to spend it's like no you're building something you're making something safety is part of that so that's on you
0: Hmm. yeah that's a great that's a great point that was going to be my question i was going to also say gabe touched on it it's like how to get two uh, finance guys you know excited is just say budget 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 a bunch of times. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> we're def- definitely on the right track but 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 yeah I was going to ask and I know it might be different from from industry to industry and you know definitely I have more experience in the construction field uh, you know similar to you but sh- should yeah should there be a safety budget standalone and and what should be in that standalone budget you know if anything and and how do how did you go about it? I mean, you kind of you kind of touched on it, but so what's in, what's out, and then how do you get, you know those projects to to properly allocate, you know budget towards towards those safety uh, safety elements like like PPE, right?
2: So I kind of gave away my view. I really <laughs> do think if if there's safety things that are part of doing the work that is on that department, that operational budget, not a safety budget. A safety budget is when I was the lone safety professional at an organization, it's how much are my membership dues for the safety group I'm in? How much is it going to cost to, you know, upgrade my company vehicle? Um, How much will it cost to, you know, just like specific to the department of safety? I really tried, especially in construction, when we had jobs that were going on that we could charge things to a job. Um, I felt that it was important for project managers and then estimators to realistically bid and work their jobs and not say, oh, that's on the safety budget. No, it's not. I don't get all that safety stuff back at the end of the job, nor do I want it. And so once I put that back on project managers in a construction setting, they started managing it Hmm. and they would look at, well, I I can pad the a bid on this job and buy some fall protection and use it on the next job, because this is a short-term job and I'm going to take the same crew. And they are starting to think a little bit differently. And then I didn't have to think about that stuff. I don't need to worry about how many carpenters need a new harness on the next job. That project manager needs to do that. Right. If they need assistance in identifying what's the best harness for those guys to use, by all means, please call me. (laughs) If they need a distributor that's in an area that they've never worked before, I can help with that too. But my safety budget was my stuff, you know, my things, um, my professional development, not what's going on in the job.
1: And that's such a cool perspective on it too, because it's not, it's this idea of not just putting safety into a silo, and that's something that Scott and I have talked about and I I've, I've had this discussion with a few other safety professionals is that how do you get the organization to look at safety not as a department or a person even not just as a line item on a budget but as as really part of the strategic it, it has to have a strategic benefit to the business itself right so even those contractors that you said under or the uh, you know the project managers understanding that hey I can actually do this and I know what harnesses to get or how many harnesses to get and it becomes part of their job costing Um, that's them taking safety as part of the business yeah so that and And then they talk to an
2: estimator and they identify hey on the next job we have 30 foot trenches we need to have you know cave-in protection and we want to use this kind or we're going to rent it and then they were having those conversations months before the actual exposure was happening on the job. When in the past, I would be walking up to the job in real time to a 30 foot trench, like, what is going on? (laughs) Um, So like, to me, that was the, the measure of, oh, we're doing well with safety here, is that I wasn't stumbling upon things where it's like, why didn't you do this? It was months and months and months, you know, previous we were discussing let's look at this job. Let's look at how we're estimating this. Hmm. So, um, and then as you were talking, I was thinking how a lot of safety professionals, they're talking about different philosophies. And one thing that people talk about is work as imagined versus work as done. And so back in the day, I totally enabled our project managers to live in imaginary work (laughs) and (laughs) imaginary safety and what it takes to really have a safe job. And so we, we went on that journey of you know work as done, and then using that as lessons learned for future projects. So I think when we talk about these safety philosophies, we have to think about not only how safety professionals are, you know, digesting that and what that means, but what does that mean to the operations? Like I, I'm just so much of a um, advocate of safety professionals at an organization being this, embedded consultant that helps the operations folks do their job better. Um, I I am extremely uh, in favor of not having safety be a silo, like you mentioned. <laughs> yeah, so much. let's integrate, integrate, integrate for sure.
0: Awesome. Yeah, definitely. Some of the takeaways for, for listeners is get involved in that planning process, that estimating process, make sure that it's baked in you know, to those initial estimates and budgets and, uh, and, and uh, then you don't have to go scrounge after the fact that you're, right. you're part of the process. I'm, and, I'm you know, translate
2: to- that to manufacturing where yep. you're looking at, you know, what's happening in the next three to five years, you know, things that you're spending money on, um, uh, expansions, whatever it is, products. Like I speak in construction, but I think most people can translate it to other industries too.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I, I was gonna—I was gonna ask. Not—not not, don't want to, uh, you know, incriminate, you know, the innocent by any by any stretch. But you know, there's a l- lot of conversations that you know, I've been part of. Is—is is PPE as an example is a, is a commodity, and it's like you know lowest cost, you know lowest cost yeah. sort of bid. So did did you run into that? Was that a challenge? And and how did you deal with that if if, uh, if, it, if it arose? <laughs>
2: hi i'm abby i used to take pride in how cheap i could get some uh safety glasses and i remember i had some that were a buck 25 a piece then i found some that were 75 cents a piece and it's like wow this is great and then i realized oh no this is not, so not great i am i am a, a former uh bargain basement ppe shopper on some things <laughs> um <laughs> so I. Uh, yeah, that, I mean, that's a tough one. So, uh, and then, you know, it, it relates a lot to your, your distributors, your other, your partners, you know, that you're ordering from and um, negotiating as much as you can, um, using local companies. Uh, yeah, PPE is always I mean, Gabe, <laughs> help, help <laughs> well, us all out, right? So here's
1: here's what's kind of interesting about this. You 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 made this comment that you were you were a bargain shopper on some things, mm-hmm. which I will I will tell you I I can totally agree with that. Uh, there are going to be some PPE items where it's really just it's churn and burn sort of thing. Um, it's funny you mentioned the glasses. I had a um, a customer that was asking for uh, for safety glasses at fifty cents a piece. And I just thought, you know, in my head, I'm thinking there's
2: 2023.
1: Yeah, it was like, why are you, why bother? Just tell your people to close their eyes really fast. Like that's you're basically just doing that. um <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> And so, I mean, I I say that kind of tongue in cheek. Uh, but we we know that there's some PPE that it's really just going to be throwaway. It really is. And there are others where it's just it it is absolutely critical. To have that, and then you know you're going to reuse it, and you have to have people understand how to use it and take care of it well. You mentioned fall protection at one point. Um, yeah, absolutely. There are those contractor grade harnesses, the uh, economy type ones, and
2: in a bucket,
1: in, in a bucket. <laughs> yep, nothing against that, but it's like don't expect that to last more than a, one or two jobs, maybe. Hmm. Um, but understand also how if you if you invest in something, put the put the money in the right place. Um, as you said, you had some of these contractors, uh, or the subs that were going to multiple jobs. You probably don't want to buy new PPE over and over and over. So if that's the case then go ahead and spend more for it, you'll save more in the long run. Um, mm-hmm. but it's just also understanding how the work is done, how people are using it. And, uh, and yeah, definitely there are others that can, that can help understand that as long as they know your business.
2: Yeah. What about the ESG aspect though? Uh, you know, I think of like throwing stuff away and it's like, oh, we can't, we shouldn't be doing that yep. anymore, like any more than we have to. So, I mean, even back then, I remember there was a, a PPE distributor that would recycle safety glasses. And so I would have the, the workers, like they would, I, I was at the job site, they'd have to bring their they're tired, they're poor safety glasses and throw them in the box before I'd give them a new shiny pair. Um, you know, whether they were a buck 25 or or 699 a piece, um, they had to turn in the old ones to get the new because we had this recycling program. So I think um looking at suppliers and partners that are aligned with your your goals. And you know, sometimes you have benefits as an employer and a business that um, if you're recycling or doing other environmentally conscious things that that's good. So, you know, if that's a business goal at your company then if you can support that from the safety department that's a good thing.
1: That's actually a really good point. I mean, one of our, um, we sell calibration gas at BBL safety and we do partner with with gas suppliers that allow us to recycle the cylinders. They're not just getting tossed. We tell them you can send them back to us or send them direct to the manufacturer and they'll go ahead and recycle them and repurpose them. And um, and so now we're not just tossing these cylinders away. Uh, but that's something that I think a lot of, even from the, the operation side or the safety side, it might not be something that they're thinking about, but it's right. definitely on a lot of companies' websites. They usually have some sort of a, a pledge for sustainability or something like that. So how neat is that as a safety professional to be able to understand the goals of the company and say, hey, even in the PPE that we're purchasing, we are actually aligning it with the company goals. So instead of spending just that 50 cents or 75 cents, whatever, on a safety class, let's get higher quality ones that will last longer. And then what if we, as you said, set up some sort of a recycling program? So now you're minimizing waste. And then it's something that even from a company standpoint, they can go back. And say, look, we're, we're even doing this with our PPE. Um, right. It, it just gives and more validity.
2: Safety, yeah, exactly. And safety is supporting other enterprise level goals, which is always great. I mean, further to the point of not having safety in a silo, how can safety support the goals of other departments? Not just how can other departments support the safety department?
0: Exactly. I was worried Gabe was going to get into total cost of ownership and give you know, us the spiel. Uh, express, yeah, yeah, express I got a chart and, here. Yeah. Hold on for a second. But you know, you know, I think, I mean, you touched on something, and you know, coming back to this uh, safety, you know, influencer I- idea. I mean, you you touched on ESG and and bringing in a program, and 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 um, I th- I think. What would be in the best interest of of most safety professionals is to to try to move away from being the safety cop, (laughs) you know, and and move to be the influencer. And I think that's a great example of forward forward thinking, forward looking, bigger picture, understanding corporate goals. So are there any other areas that that, uh, safety professionals could kind of dig into to kind of be the leader within the organization and not the compliance uh, cop?
2: Yeah, I think safety professionals sometimes were keenly hyper aware of the spaces we're being kept out of. And for me, that's where I would always go towards. And, but not just to be a jerk. And, you know, but I can recall some specific departments that, um, it's almost like I had to discover that they existed and then you go into this other part of a, a facility and it's like whoa where has this been wow these people work here okay um so <laughs> i've I've dealt with many situations like that and where they were not happy to see mm. me they they expected that they would live the rest of their careers and never see a safety person ever and that's how it should be and for me it was the opposite like once I found out it's like nope These people are going to be my friends.
1: I mean, you're home now. (laughs)
2: Yes, (laughs) (laughs) and so I would have to study a little bit. Like you know, I I'd I'd have a a brief introduction to their their world, their ecosystem, and then I'd have to go back and debrief. Like, wow, what was that? And um, how can I help move the needle? You know, so that they someday are calling me before they, you know, do whatever it is that they do, that it's not such a secret. So it required me to be, you know, one, aware of these spaces, and then also, two, to identify, like, how can I bring value to them? So if you're going to be an influencer, that means that people are looking at what you're doing, and listening to what you say, and sometimes making decisions based on what they see you doing or hear you saying, whether you meant for them to hear or see you at all. Um, it just happens. You, ca- you can't decide, oh, I'm influencing them, I'm not going to influence them over there. It's like, no, you're just you're doing things and it is having influence. So um, yeah, it, it's a lot of a lot of listening and a lot of just engaging your senses of the business. And bringing things to people that are of value, and in order to bring something to someone that has value, that requires you to know a little bit about about what they're doing, what brings them happiness, what pains them, you know, in the in the work setting. And sometimes it's overt um, that you're like actually presenting something to these people, and then you become someone that influences them because they feel that you're credible and you have valuable information and all that. Um, other times you're working towards being that influencer for people that it's like, I, I mean, I kind of felt like I was this fly that wouldn't go away for some of these people. <laughs> um, and it's like, you're gonna like me at some point, like there's gonna be something that you hear or see from me and you're gonna be like, oh yeah, that, that's good. She, she knows what's up. Um, so sometimes it's a little more sly. Uh, to be that influencer. But I think, um, yeah, ultimately, it's just like a lot of awareness, lots of listening. Um, And it's just a it's a different approach to the workday. But I think it makes it fun. If you think in terms of influencing,
1: what I like about that, too, is and Abby, I know you and I are big fans of Gary V. And there's so much that he says about giving and doing like 10 times more than what you're expecting to receive. And so even uh, if, if you want to influence the people that are in the business, you're, you're essentially wanting to get something out of them. You want them to be on your side or to to advocate for you or something like that. But you're giving them time and attention, first and foremost. You're, you're giving them the benefit of a doubt or just curiosity and trying to understand how they're doing. And I think that's really where that that influence begins is not trying to figure out, okay, how do I get this person to actually listen to me or do what I want them to do. It's going towards them first, meeting them where they are and wanting to give your attention to them. And I mean, maybe some people won't ever come around, but uh, I think from my personal experience, I've seen, I've very seldom seen that happen. Uh, Eventually someone will, will break.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, if you have to think of Gary, another thing Gary V says, which is being historically correct. And so sometimes you aren't there for when that person finally connects the dots and that yep. your influence is realized. You're down the road five employers later because you know, forget that place. I tried, but you had already laid some uh put some things out there for people. And, you know, people have to, you can't influence can't be on your schedule you have to realize like influencing is just it's an act it's a it's a verb you're you're doing this it's not a thing that someone you know gets it's like oh check the box they've been influenced um <laughs> that's not how it is <laughs> so I think about that and I haven't listened to a Gary V podcast in years um but he clearly influenced me on how to either like um how to do certain things or reinforcing how I was doing things. That mm. it's like, Oh, this is a thing. Um, okay. I'll keep, I'll keep doing that. So, um, but yeah, the historical correctness thing was like a game changer for me. Cause I, I have seen sadly, you know, some things that I started initiatives influence, you know, that I started in the past that it didn't take, it didn't take while I was there, I left, something happened. And then, you know, um, dots are connected and, and things are done differently. So, really cool. you know, it goes, it goes both ways. It can be a happy thing or it could be a sad thing. Um, but I think you just have to keep at it. You know, it's about being genuine, um, and true to how you want to practice safety and not so much worried about, is everyone going to like you or <laughs> connect with you?
1: Because they probably won't like you. Well, I love, I love I, that. I think they might not.
0: Yeah, they I might love, not. I love, uh, love the point about, hey, it's, at some point, I know if I do the right thing mm. and I ask questions and I'm here to help at some point, you know, people will say, aha, I realize now how, um, you know, how, how uh, you, you know, Abby's influenced us and, and how we can incorporate her ideas and, and move forward. Um, and I, I don't even have
2: to know. It's okay.
0: Like, yeah, because
2: I'm just yeah. out there doing my thing. I forgot about it already. So, yeah.
0: Well, I'm, you know, patience and, and playing that long <laughs> yeah. game. You know, I think Gary yes. would talk about long game as well. Just, um, was there any like big initiatives that like we're talking PPE and hard, you know, fall protection gear? But were there any big initiatives that you were wanting to introduce to an organization? And, mm. and uh, you know, if if so, you know, like, <laughs> Kind of influencing those decisions.
2: Yeah. I mean, one of those things, I I won't even be specific about it, but um it it came to a point where a lot of safety professionals come in their career where it's like, well, I've tried and you know, (laughs) this situation no longer aligns with how I can do my day-to-day work and still feel okay about myself. So um that's a, a bad Example. Like
1: that. That's tough. Um,
2: yeah, that, that's that's a tough one. But I think like the biggest project, like if I'm going to get like philosophical and like you know soft here, is I I'm looking now at my career. It's tw- I'm 20 years into my career, and wow. so I'm looking at things like trying to weave together the story. And I feel like a lot of it is um, related to women in safety and women uh, growing into executive roles and also serving the women in the trades careers and that are at, you know, in these traditionally male populated fields and, you know, the numbers just aren't there. And so now more women are entering these career paths and we have to make sure that we are meeting their needs. So I feel like that, like, that's my big initiative. And it's, Hmm. you know, I've, I've done different things and different stops in my career that have kind of, led to or that have contributed to this initiative. And for me, it's not so much about getting a program going at one employer, but it's about a much greater influence of the profession um, and helping out people in our profession to ultimately serve the workers better. That sounds like really grand, but it just... (laughs) I don't know. Like I, I, that's fantastic. Yeah. Like this is a great opportunity, safety justice league podcast and, um, leadership that I had within wise at ASSP. And I just feel that I have to, I, I have to look at that and, and see like, wow, there's, there's been a lot of stuff I've been doing, but it all kind of comes together with something. And so, um, if I was having like a midlife, <laughs> mid-career <laughs> crisis, I think that would be it, and I think I figured it out. So,
1: so yeah. So that's that's awesome. <laughs> I mean, I, there's nothing wrong with having that big grand vision and having that direction and and having things kind of fall into place in that. And uh, so, I mean, this is what a great way to to kind of cap where you are at 20 years in the safety profession. But <laughs> if we were to rewind back to, you know, the Abby, that just got started in the safety profession, because there are a lot of, of people like that that have that are just getting into into safety. Um, and we've talked a lot about the the things you did to influence a business, getting the ear of management and and the workers. What what are maybe two things, three things maybe that 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 new safety professional can start doing so that twenty years later they can look back and say, okay, this is this has been my influence in it.
2: Hmm. Um, I think every day people should think of questions like that's the only way we're going to get better is if we learn something new or continue to learn about our, um, our environment that we're in the workplace that we're serving or the profession that we're in. So thinking of intelligent, open-ended questions. And so then step two is finding people to ask those questions of. So it's the workers that you're surrounded by at your organization, but then also finding a mentor, um, someone that either is in the career path that you're in and you wanna know a little bit more about how the day-to-day goes, or someone that's in a career or at a stop in their career that you want to be in someday. Mm-hmm. And that you can ask pointed, you know, open-ended questions to find out, okay, how did they get there? What did they do? And how can I start doing some of those things right now too? Or whatever it means to me. Um, three. Hmm. <laughs> you wanted three I feel, things. I feel like yeah. there
1: was, there was a lot that was in there. Even just yeah. Being, yeah. Abby, you and I have well, talked about mentoring and advocacy and yeah. and sponsorship and there, there's so much rolled into that. So that those are, those are great points.
2: You know what I missed though, is like your crew, like Gabe, I feel like you're in my crew. Scott, you can, you can be in the crew too. Um, <laughs> you know, on safety justice league, we talked about like the group chat, Um, And so at uh, organizations I've worked at, I always have like, you know, my, my work friends that I feel we can talk about everything. We can talk about salary. We can talk about, you know, memes. We can talk about (laughs) whatever, um, you know, heavy or not so heavy stuff. And I think that's what can help you also. And they can, they can identify mentors for you. They can identify courses of study for you. Um, But it's more of like a peer uh, group to to bounce things off of not so much aspirational mm-hmm. and not the people that you're serving um as far as frontline workers but it's peers that know mm-hmm. what you're going through because you know safety it can be really lonely especially at places where you don't have safety colleagues safety department so you need that outlet of other people that know where you're coming from
1: again yeah. one of those things that requires almost no budget
2: yeah, <laughs> that's zero.
1: Yeah, this is <laughs> a zero, zero budget plan. tip right there. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, I was gonna. <clears throat> I know we we got to wrap up here shortly, but I was just gonna ask because influencer is definitely a buzz buzzword, uh, you know, uh, in many different industries. Uh, some some not quite as uh, noble as as safety, <laughs> um, but you know, in in your mind, is there a difference between leadership and and influencing? Um, Mm. You know, is it one in the same?
2: Wow, Um, that's a really great question, because I think usually people would put an influencer in a different category as than a leader. But when I think of good leaders within an organization or within a profession, they're an influencer. I Mm. mean, so it, I think it does have to go hand in hand, but sometimes, a lot of times, an influencer may not be a leader, like not in that leadership or management or supervisor role. And those are my favorite people because those are my my safety, um, Oh, I can't think of the right word. I used to have, I've had multiple words for these people, you know, safety champions or, you know, you brand it however you uh, can at your organization, but it's someone who does a great job for safety or understands safety or wants to learn more about it, but they're a pipe fitter or they're, you know, a laborer and they're not a, a supervisor level person, but that's great. That's fine. Um, So uh, I love to use those safety influencers, safety champions who aren't leaders because they are leaders. Um, People look to them, but I think you need that combination of those unofficial leaders that they're influencers, really. Um, And a leader still does to be a good leader. I think you need to be able to influence people. So it's both.
1: I agree with that. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Well, Abby, thank you so much for joining us. This was a ton of fun to have you on Safeonomics, and um, yeah, there was a lot to unpack here, and I'm sure yeah. we'll we'll have
0: conversations more in the future. <laughs> but
1: this is this is fantastic. Thanks for joining us.
2: Thanks, you guys. Anytime.
0: Yeah, we we have to bring Abby back and dive into her uh, current current role and organization and how you're again influencing the industry. I think on a large a large scale and. Uh, also, let people know they can reach out and connect with you, you know, whether it's about InsureAid or whether it's about just some general, general advice. For um, sure. We'll make sure to. Yeah, I mean, we said budget, care.
2: budget, budget for you guys, but <laughs> yeah. I don't think we said risk one time. So we'll yeah. be back on we'll talk about
0: risk. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks, you guys. Thanks, Abby.